Hello, and welcome to the Footy Philosophy Podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by Brendan, as always. Keeping up with the kits, you are rocking Madrid. I'm guessing for the Madrid derby that just happened, which will... <laughs> not not a, be Nacho, the GOAT. <laughs> which we will uh, assuredly get into in just a sec. Today, I've got uh, my boy Sherry. I, I wish it was like Bex or something, just because that's cocky as hell. Yeah, no, just a just a class kit. Um, speaking of old class players, there is no other place to start here today than the passing of Franz Beckenbauer, a you know class German center back who changed the game in a lot of ways. And like you were mentioning to me a few nights ago, he sort of built Bayern on his own. Yeah, it's kind of incredible his story. Um, I uh, there's a guy on. Twitter and TikTok, and he's pretty prominent. I watch his video. He's very informative. He's German-based. Um, so, you know, he focuses on Bundesliga normally, but he was talking about how Franz Beckenbauer was being recruited by the number one side in Munich at the time, because that's where he was from. And then something happened, and he turned it down, and he signed with Bayern, who were in the second division, and he's kind of, he won the three-peat there of the European Cup before it turned into the Champions League. Um, and so he had kind of built that. And then after building Bayern into the powerhouse they are today, or starting that build, let's say, um, he went to New York, played for the Cosmos with Pele, and then he went back to Germany and won a Bundesliga. I want to say it was with um, Hamburg, but I'm definitely wrong. I'll look it up real quick. Um, but yeah, just... One of the only defend. I think he might be the only defender to win two Ballon d'Oros. Um, I was right. It was Hamburg. Um, the only defender to win two Ballon d'Oros. Whether we want to say someone like Sergio Ramos or something deserved it, that's neither here nor there in this conversation. That's just me being biased. Um, but just you know, arguably one of the best center backs of all time. One of the best. He wasn't even a center back. Actually, he was. He was a sweeper. Like, we don't even play with those anymore. Yeah. Um, just class. You know, I never watched them. I've seen clips. I might have watched, like, two games of his because, you know, sometimes I like to watch old games. Um, but, you know, he won a ton of titles with Germany, too. I just, you know, there's a reason he's considered the best center back of all time. Um, Absolutely. defender. Let's just say defender because, you know, that's kind of where he was. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, he's the only defender to have won two Ballon d'Ors. That speaks for itself. Um, We have here, I didn't see that this happened. The Saudi fans whistled when he, uh, for his moment of yeah. silence in their games? Yeah, they whistled the whole time. Um, Pretty disrespectful. Uh, You know, it's a Spanish tradition. I, I don't know if, if they do this in England. It kind of seems like they don't, but in Spain... Like, if Asasuna comes to play us at the Bernabeu and someone, like, a prominent figure at their club died, like, we do a moment of silence. And it's more like a minute of silence where all the guys sit around the half, uh, around the, um, the circle, the halfway line, and they just all stand together in silence. And there's a certain song that plays um, every single time. You know, with Real Madrid, obviously, I see this a lot because, you know, we have a lot of historical figures dying, you know, like, because we have so much history. You know, um, De Stefano died. 
historical figure. Hento died recent, more recently. Hento died, um, and like you know, if there's a tragic event, they'll do it. If a legend of the game dies, they'll do it. Um, it's kind of just a Spanish tradition, and you know the Saudis pay the, all this money to have the Spanish teams come there, and then they don't respect their traditions. It's kind of fucked up when you think about it. You know, I'm not Muslim. Um, I had heard someone say that like it's against the Muslim religion to have a moment of silence in for a non-Muslim or something, and I was like, that just seems incredibly. Uh, old world, I guess, you know, like it, it just it, the world's a big place. It's really easy to travel now. You want Spanish teams there. You want to see Real Madrid Barca play there. Just respect their traditions. Like no one, people might have bitched about the Qatar World Cup, but at the end of the day, most people respected their traditions. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's it's pretty backwards to um, <laughs> to to boo to boo a legend of the game. You know, I I don't see where that is. You know, regardless of religious practice, you gotta football is the global game. I don't understand where well, that. Well, you know, just just to turn it on its head, right? If Cristiano Ronaldo passed and. 10, 15, 20 years, someone that plays in the Saudi league or at this point would have played in the Saudi league. You think they're going to whistle him like, and actually worst of all friends, Beckenbauer actually came out in favor of the Qatar world cup. Like, like, you know, like he wasn't even like a hater to like the Muslim religion. Like a lot of footballers were like Tony Cruz, like, which we can kind of transition to that. And, you know, every, I, I, I know you watched, but you didn't like have headphones. Every time Tony Cruz touched the ball, deafening whistles the entire match because <laughs> yeah. they didn't, you know, um, the, you know, he commented on Gabby Vega's um, post when he moved. This is embarrassing for you. Um, he openly talks about how he just doesn't agree. You know, he stopped playing for the German national team. I, I think partially, you know, he's not, he doesn't. Tony Cruz doesn't really care about football that much. Um, it's, he's kind of made that quite clear where it's kind of like a job to him, um, yeah. which is fine. You know, as long as you're, he's a professional, you know, like um, he cares more about being outspoken and um, he really likes the NBA. I don't know. I know you don't have him on Twitter or even have Twitter, but he's always tweeting like really late at night in because he's watching NBA games. Um, but the point being is that like, Tony Cruz doesn't give a fuck if they're whistling him or not. And it's funny, after the game, he kind of, he tweeted, what an amazing crowd tonight. Like, you just, <laughs> if you know Tony Cruz, you know he's just rolling. Like, yeah. So, no, you know, to whistle him is fine, but to whistle Franz Beckenbauer, come on now. Right, I mean, not, not to linger here, but I was almost wondering when I first heard about him, you know, them whistling during the moment of silence. I was almost wondering if Beckenbauer was a part of that, like that group of crusaders, like Cruz, almost that have been outspoken about, you know, lots of footballers moving to the Middle East. But Beckenbauer wasn't that, and so that makes it all the worse. That makes it all the worse. Um, it's just sad. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, like definitely, 
I never saw him play. Like I said, maybe like I said, right. a handful of times, maybe just because you know I'm a nerd when it comes to football. Yes. But yeah, I mean we're uh, we're both we're both a bit too young to have watched him. You know, what in his heyday when he was actually playing. Well, but I was gonna say he was playing for West Germany in the seventies. So <laughs> yeah, do the a math country- on that one. Yeah, a country that doesn't even exist anymore. But let's keep talking about Germans and and talk about some transfers, namely. The first one here, Timo Werner. This one hits very close to home for me. I am, uh, I'm excited about him coming in. Um, we need depth in attack. Werner has been in the Premier League while it was considered uh, a mishmash of good and bad. While he was, I thought at it Chelsea. was really good. I, I will say, I, was, I thought it was really it was good. good. I was going to ask you. You know, you wrote down here. 10 goals from about 20 XG in the Prem with Chelsea. So that's not the good part, though. Yeah, that's not, that's Obviously. not, let's see. Um, Timo Werner's more than a, a goal scoring striker, though. Um, his link up play is amazing, which will be great in Ange's system. He can hold up the ball, he's great in transition. He's, you know, we'll get into this later, but like, you know, just he's like Darwin Nunez, you know, like mm-hmm. freak athlete. Just, you know, could work on finishing. If he actually put the time into finishing, he'd probably be one of the best nines in the world. Um, I really liked him at Leipzig, you know, time one. Um, Yeah. But I I think that he is one of the... I think he's one of the best off-ball movers in the world um, and opens up space for a lot of people, especially someone like Hwang Min Sun, who is someone who is going to really benefit from someone like Timo Werner. And um, you didn't mention it. It's a loan with a 17 million release clause. And that's, I mean, that's pennies to Spurs. Um, What did you guys pay for Richarlson? It was, it was definitely over 50. I think it was 60. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kev, quick question. Who would you rather have Timo Werner or Richarlson? Honestly. It's a, to be as respectful to Richarlison as I can, it's a tough question having seen him played in a Spurs shirt already, whereas I haven't seen Werner yet. But before Richarlison coming, I would it's say Werner. It's yeah, Werner. I would, okay. I would say and you're getting him for $43 million less. It's 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 an easy buy unless he absolutely tanks. That's the only right. way it doesn't happen. If he absolutely tanks, stay away. But... I don't expect him to tank. He's like I said, he's 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 one of the best off ball movers. He move I mean, I think if you ask some defenders like what do you think of Timo Werner, I think they would all say he's really tough to defend because he makes his movements aren't linear. Um he makes a lot of diagonal runs. Not only that, in like linear in the other sense of like he's very unpredictable off ball and the best version of Kai Havertz we saw at Chelsea was when Timo Werner was always on the pitch. It's a great point. Well, that transitions us very well to a Chelsea player, Matson, going alone to Dortmund. I don't believe that there's a a mandatory buy option or anything like that. I think um, it's just a straight six month. Yeah. Um. This is a guy that 
has gotten sporadic game time with Chelsea. I'm not going to act like I know the player super well, but I think he has potential and the Bundesliga might be a bit better for him somewhere where, you know, there's going to be more opportunities for in transition. You know, he's an attacking player. Um, I'm not sure. What do you, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on Matson going? I don't have anything to add about Matson. Um, I will say I've I've watched him play at Chelsea like twice this year. Um, I I don't hate him. I just I don't think he's Chelsea level. I don't really think he's Dortmund level. If I'm wrong, so be it. But I think he's more like top five league or top three league like high mid table player. Um, would fit in with like a Leverkusen as a backup, or would fit in with. Um, Machen Gladbach as like a starter and I know they're kind of struggling this year but you know they're a big club in Germany or like maybe like a Sevilla would be a good level for him um, I don't think Chelsea yeah. and Dortmund are his level though I think he's a tad below that um, and Dortmund just add to their winger depth which doesn't really make any sense Gio Reyna um, Malin um, Royce, Julian Brandt uh, that 10 wing hybrid that they kind of have and they just added Jaden Sancho on loan today. Um, well, Jaden seems real happy to go there. Let's just say that. Yeah. Before we move to Sancho, I'd just like to mention two things after looking at it quickly. Matson is sort of like a ball day type of player. Um, so he's going to start at left back, but not really play left back, if you know what I mean. Like, he's just going to bomb forward. So he adds a bit of a tactical niche to Dortmund that I don't think they really have right now. Um, He's going to play left back there. That's the plan. I believe so. He was, he was a big part. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. He was playing on the wing for Chelsea. I thought it was kind of weird because I didn't like this guy's not really a winger. Okay. If he's a, if he's going to play left back, then I really don't have a problem with it. I know they were trying to add a left back. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, I didn't even know he filled in there. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and lie and be like, I know this guy so well. Right. Um But you know, if he he's 21, he's got room to go, and if if left backs the move for him, I actually kind of I understand it. Let's just put it yeah. that way. He's um he's one of these players nowadays where it's like, you know, we've mentioned this briefly. It's like it's hard to find. You know, talking about a guy like Havers, it's hard to find their real position on the pitch with all of these, you know, the positionalism play, um, which is turning out to be quite a big theme on this podcast. Um, but yeah, like you said, As it should be because it's been so prominent. We yeah. wouldn't be doing our due diligence, our due diligence if we weren't talking about it. <laughs> but yeah, you like, you look up Matson on, on, you know, any app and um, it has him listed as a left back and then left winger and then right winger. It's like, Okay, I saw where, him play on the right at Chelsea twice. So yeah. I just I I didn't even know about him until Chelsea. I don't even like. Yeah, you probably did. You're more into that. While I'm more into like tactical knowledge. You're more into like players. Yeah. Like so, it's um, the FM. Yeah, I know. Um, but Sancho, thoughts yes. there? Um, I'm happy just to see him go to a place where you know, people like him, <laughs> like Ten Hag clearly does not like the guy. And I'm happy to see him, you know, get more playing time. Cause he's a good player. Like, let's not act like he's not, he tore up the Bundesliga a few years ago 
yeah, double digit goals and assists. I think 2019. Um, probably saving probably twice. Yeah. So, you know, this is a guy that he was wanted by everyone. Let's just put it that way. And he just became a victim of the United toxicity. Um, I'm not sure if there's a buy option. There probably isn't considering. It's definitely not. Yeah, the wages. It's um, only costing Dortmund $4 million to get him in, though. That's a great, you know, why not? Why not? How could you say no to that? You're getting a, I don't want to call world-class because world-class talent. That's a good way of putting it. A world-class yeah. talent for $4 million. I mean, what is this, 2005? Come on now. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's keep flying on. Keep it um, yeah. Spurs signed Radu Dragusin. Um, I'm also not going to act like I know a lot about this guy, but being a Spurs fan, I have found out he can play left back and right back. So this is a versatility signing for us. You know, he's been playing at the center of a back three for Genoa. Uh, yeah, Genoa. Genoa. Genoa, I think is how it's said. Yeah. Like Genoa um, not, Salami. That's why I know my Italian. Uh, I still can't say Salernitana or whatever the heck it is, but I can say Genoa. So we'll yeah. keep it. I'm, I don't know, like, a whole other tactics. I'm not sure if he pushes up, you know, the pitch in the center of the back three or whatnot. But um, we're happy to see him come in. And it's much needed depth for us. Or Only a good price, too. Yeah. Like, that's the most important thing. This is um, yet another former Juventus player coming in. And it's we've had this weird situation with a guy named Fabio Paratici, who was like our sporting director, football director, and then got in trouble with FIFA or UEFA or something. But like he's still working with us from afar. Point being, he has been the guy that has brought in a lot of these class transfers like Romero, Kulusevski, Udogi, Vicario, all from the Serie A. So could be another one. We'll see. Well, um, and what I'll add to that, this is all I'm going to add, is that like this is what I try to tell all my Prem fans, friends who are fans of the Prem, is like, dude, you guys got to stop buying your talent only from the Prem. Like, Go snatch up someone cheap from La Liga. Go snap up, snatch up someone cheap from Syria. Go to the Dutch Eredivisie. Like, go find these guys. I'm not saying go spend fucking sixty million on Anthony, but Santi Jimenez for thirty is is kind of a bargain. Let's be honest. Like, you don't know what you're gonna get, but the potential's there. It's thirty million at the end of the day for a Premier League club is literally peanuts. Um, so. Dude, I do like Spurs model right now. And, I, you know, Timo Werner from Germany, Son from Germany, Madison from relegated Leicester, but that's a deal because they got relegated. Um, Kulaveski from Syria. You know, Udogi from Syria, like you already said. This whole team are non Mickey Vandeben from Eredivisie, Vicario from Syria, like this Pedro Porro from Portugal slash Spain. I mean, you know, he's Spanish. He played there. But, yeah. you know, they put together a team of non-EPL proven players, and they're just kind of proving that it's not really it's, – it's kind of a facade thing to say 
like especially United fans, they love like we want PL proven and like yeah, that's why you guys are in eighth place. Okay, like <laughs> yeah, I mean it is it is really an interesting thing, you know. I hear about it all the time. Like I'm a big fan of Tifo, and they talk about it a lot. Like whether or not he's done it in the prem, and there, it's a valid concern to have. Especially if you're going to bring in a guy that's in a crucial position, like United would with a nine, and that's why they expressed concern over Hoyland because he's coming from Syria. But you're exactly right. Like these guys can use ways that they've learned abroad and bring things new to the table that English players haven't seen. Um, yeah, let's let's keep it pushing here. Well, just one thing, just the prem right now. It's a German coach, a Spanish coach, a Spanish coach, um, another Spanish coach, uh, you know, who Eddie Howe's English. Um, he is he the Newcastle coach? There's one other one. There's like three English managers. So like the tactics that these guys are being asked to use anyway are foreign tactics. So, yeah. You know, like someone like Pep, someone like Emery are going to like a more technical player because that's what they're used to because they're from La Liga, you know, like, and let's like, I, this is all I'm going to say, like, and then we can move on. Like, let's stop acting like the Prem is like the epitome of football. Like each and every league plays differently. Each like the Prem right now just has the most money. That's the only difference. In the early 2000s, it was Serie A. It was La Liga, you know, like, yeah. So it's always changing. Uh, the Prem won't always be on top. Um, once these other leagues finally catch up with money, if it's possible, you know, we might see uh, another team pop up uh, or another league pop up. Um, just, yeah. you know, that being said, it's just there's there's great football out there. You don't just have to watch the Prem. You don't just have to watch La Liga. You know, over the past couple of years, I've enjoyed watching the Bundesliga so much. And, yeah. and it's it's helped my tactical knowledge. It's helped everything I know about football because it's just different than the way of thinking that I was taught. Yeah. And that's all I wanted to say on that is, you know, like expand your knowledge. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah. I, um, I would say that the Premier League has relied upon foreign, foreign imports for the most part. Um, all their best players are foreign. Yeah. Moving on to a very, <laughs> different different transfer here. Benucci goes to Fenerbahce. The Turkish league continues to get some of these, you know, older guys, sort of like MLS style, but I don't know. What do you have do you have any thoughts on this? I thought this guy was on the edge of retirement. His contract got terminated by Union Berlin because he was that fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'm not expecting big things from Benucci at this point in his career. Yeah. Um that's all. You know, Fenerbahce will get some jersey sales and... He'll be good there. You know, yeah. like, he's... He probably still wants to compete in Europe, which is why you go there. Sure, yeah. Instead of going to Saudi, which we'll talk about in just a second. Brighton signed Valentin Barco, who is one of the most exciting non-European talents in the world right now. A left back. He's 19, I believe. Um... You know, there's not a whole lot to say here other than he will go to Brighton, he will impress, and he'll be sold to Chelsea for like 115 million. I think, 
I think that's about it. Um, but no, it, it's cool to see Brighton sort of step up in terms of like who they're signing. This is a very well-known wonder kid. This isn't what we attribute to Brighton in terms of like them unearthing a wonder kid. This is them going out and grabbing it. And so we're already seeing, you know, like them playing in Europa sort of add to their, their pull, which is, which is cool. Um, I don't know much on the on the kid. I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen him. I like I said, I say it to you all the time. I was like, I should really start watching South American football a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but it, it's cool to see Brighton have that kind of pool. Now it's gonna be up to them to see if they can actually nourish the kid. Um, we see a lot of big clubs fail, and a lot of these younger guys have gotten sm- like these younger kids have gotten smarter. You know. They're not going right for the big club. They they take that small step and then, you know, they kind of decide later, you know, they kind of prove themselves. Bellingham had every English club wanting him. He went to Dortmund, which is not a s- small step. It's a very big step, but Holland went to Dortmund first. Um, yep. You know, uh, not everyone has to be Endrick, Vinicius, and Rodrigo and go right to Real Madrid. Yeah. So, but water always finds its level, so... You know, yes, if he's sir. good enough, if he's good enough, he'll he'll get a shot. Yeah, you know, the one thing I will say about Brighton real quick is that, you know, I'm not the first person to say this either, but they have provided a very clear track for younger younger players. I was about to say younger kids, but younger players to come in and, you know, get game time. There's a clear path there. You might go on you might go out on loan for one season, but then you come back and you play and you know Everyone gets their chance there. Like Hinchelwood is Hinchelwood has come in for Brighton this year and looked okay. And the dude's only eighteen. You know they constantly rotate the squad. Deserby's okay with it. In fact, he needs to. So Barco will get playing time, and like you said, uh, Water will find its level. So we'll see with time. I think he'll be pretty good. Um, talking about let's do another, rapid fire. I would say let's do rapid fire on these last yeah. ones. I don't really think yeah. there's much talking points on these last couple. For sure. Um, Marcus Leonardo goes to Benfica. I don't know much about this guy, but here's another wonder kid joining a Portuguese team, a smarter, smaller step. Um, Mo Ali Cho to Nice for 12 million. I thought he was a bit better than Nice, you know, not, not to disrespect Nice, but I don't know, as a La Liga guy, just real quick. He wasn't playing at Sociedad, so I think he wanted to go somewhere where he would f- play. Um so that's probably why Nice was a good decision. And as we know, I-N-E-O-U-S, I think is what it is. Um, the guys that just took over United, 25%, they didn't take over. Uh, they own Nice, and they do great transfer business. So keep an eye on him. He's going to probably come up and be amazing. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we wanted to mention that Bala is available for $12 million. Uh <laughs> there's anyone out there that has X Wonder Kid. The yeah. 10's coming back. So go get Dybala. 12 million yeah. for Paulo, man. That's kind of low. Why not? That's I mean, really I'm sure. Low. I'm sure Roma did get him on a free. So I'm sure Rome would be happy to take the 12 and run, um, especially yeah. as a Serie A team, which they are a sinking ship right now. But <laughs> yeah, he is I... so integral to Roma, though. Like they can't lose him. It's interesting. I mean, they lost Zaniolo as well, who is like sort of in that same mold. Um, Mariba joins Getafe from Leipzig. Is this permanent? I didn't even. I didn't. I didn't check. I think it's a loan. 
but okay. it's a great move for uh, Elax Mariba, who had Barca by the balls, and Barca was like, you know, we can't pay you that much yeah. because they were broke, because they would have paid him that much. Um, and Barca looks like they made a good decision. So, why do you say? Why do you say it looks like they made a good decision? You're not because he hasn't done anything at Leipzig. That's yeah. it. Like you know, like I hate to say it, but like you're a kid. Like respect the hierarchy a little bit, like Gavi has. You know, like, yeah. Just take your paydays. You know, like you'll get paid one day. You know what I'm saying? Like that day doesn't have to be today. If you're yeah. good enough, you know, have faith in yourself. Absolutely. Um, Teon Buchanan, a Canadian fullback, goes from Bruges to Inter. Ex Syracuse player. Ex Syracuse University. Yeah, uh, half the Canadian national team has played at Syracuse. Nice. It's nice to see them. That's kind of cool. You don't hear too much about American universities producing European talent. That actually is really cool. So Um, actually Kate's school played Syracuse and in a preseason game, and that was an ass whooping. So they just won a national championship, which we talked about. They went on tour um, over the summer, and they played a bunch of the academies all over Europe and beat up on quite a few so you know Syracuse has top top talent um Hmm. and we see that and Buchanan who is a winger for usually plays right wing for um Canada and I'm pretty sure he played right wing for Club Bruges they're bringing him as as a Denzel Dumfries potential replacement who might be looking up to bigger and better things Dumfries is a little I don't want to say a little too good for Inter because obviously he's Inter is probably his level. But the guy probably wants to get paid, and you're not going to get paid yeah. in Syria. And there's not really a lot of good right backs in the world. I'd probably say he's probably a top five, top ten right back, and he's not really playing for. I, I think I disagree. I know he, he, he had wrecked, a great World Cup. He wrecked the United States when we played them. When we played the Netherlands, I will admit that, but. In the UCL final, I thought he had kind of a stinker. And I also think he's a bit one-dimensional. Like, anyways. um, What fullbacks aren't today. That's true. I think a lot of big clubs would like a Denzel Dumfries in their ranks. Let's just put it that way. I'm not saying Spurs. I'm not saying Real Madrid. um, But Atletico Madrid, you know, like, I'm not saying that. Personally, I think Atletico is a step up from Inter. Right, right now, Marcus sure. Llorente is kind of playing that role. I mean, Inter's top of the table. Like, they made yeah. a UCL. It's crazy that we talk about Inter like this. They made a UCL final. They are top of Serie A. They're probably going to win Serie A this year, and we're talking like they are a mid-table club. It just kind of. It's not really like. Serie A is in a really bad spot right now. Talent-wise, it's in a really bad spot. Team-wise, um, it's not really a place to be right now. You'd much rather be in the Bundesliga. Like, imagine, like, Gortman would probably love a Denzel Dumfries, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I think outside of Italy, you probably get a little bit more recognition playing for Dortmund than Inter at this point. The only people on Inter that actually get recognition are Latoro and Barella. Yeah. It is a weird, weird situation we live in because, you know, they've they've had a resurgence these last few years. You know, after Mourinho, they obviously took a dip. 
um not to linger but and we still talk it's about it's weird them. it's a weird spot like where we're at like it's kind of like we talk about the two big chem clubs the two big spanish clubs and the big german club and psg and that's it like that's kind yeah. of like considered the cream of the crop right now um and then you have the bracket below that, which I think enters in, but I think also Atletico and Dortmund are in that same bracket, you know? Um, so it's kind mm-hmm. of a, it's a weird place. And the, neither you nor I mean any disrespect to enter. And yeah, no. this isn't, it, it's just the reality of the situation right now. Um, and like a club like Man United, just let's just put them out there. Like right now they have bigger pull than enter. And that I think that's what it is. I think it's more of a pool thing than it is than a, anything else like that like i think denzel denzel dumfries wants to be wanted i think that's kind of what it is i think he probably feels like he's one of the better in his position in the world and he wants to get the he wants to be paid like one of the best in his position in the world and that i think that's completely fair the problem is the clubs that he probably want to go to all kind of have right backs yeah like newcastle would be a great level but they have kieran trippier yeah Moving on. Just talking about a great... like this is gonna be a quick one. We're thirty minutes <laughs> in and still haven't gotten to any games. This is what happens every single time. So Yeah, but hey, we're talking about the reason I'm laughing is Eric Dyer to Bayern. Um yeah. <laughs> he's going for three million. Four mil. And... Uh, three mil. Yeah. There you go. I know it was something in that range. Yeah. Um I'm glad he gets to go link up with Harry Kane. And just real quick, uh all the Spurs fan remember when we were playing Chelsea under Mourinho in the Carabao Cup. Dyer goes and leaves the pitch to go take a poop, comes back, later scores a winning penalty against Chelsea, and dedicates the Man of the Match award to the toilet. Um, so that's the type of player Bayern, or Bayern are getting. All I want to say on the topic is, yeah. what is Bayern doing? <laughs> like... Why are you allowing Tuchel to have any say in your transfers? Like, you're, you're being a clown. He's clearly not the long-term answer to your club. No. Real Madrid, Carlo Ancelotti gets zero say in transfers. Carlo was like, I want Harry Kane. The club was like, nah. Like, go fuck yourself, Carlo. Deal with it. Like, this is a guy they just signed to a new contract. So, you know, like, the intention was there. Like, it's just such it, – you're just – I doubt he's going to get paid a lot. But he's going to be someone that's going to be really hard to move off the books. and. I don't know. That's all I want to say. It's just a really bad move for them. Bayern is not even his level at all. It's weird. It's weird. Bayern's yeah. in a weird place right now anyway with like so they fire Nagelsmann. They bring in Tuchel. But then the whole board gets changed. Like if your board's getting changed, why would you fire Nagelsmann for Tuchel? Like it just doesn't make a lot of sense. They did it on a whim too. Then they go get yeah. smoked by City. And if Nagalsman was there, they at least had a chance. Like, we might even be seeing, like, we might, be, we might have seen, like, Iron UCL chance. Like, they inadvertently gave help give City the treble. So I personally believe that Bayern had a better chance of being City than we did last year. That's what it seemed like. I. And they got smoked. They got thrown. They got. Th- Thrashed. I think Pep wanted a little bit of revenge over Tuchel. 
Probably. Um, Tuchel's a dickhead, so yeah, probably it's something Fuck to do that with guy. Him. I don't like Antonio Conte anymore, and I'm still pissed at Tuchel's interactions with Conte. Um, we just want to talk about a few injuries real quick. Trent has a torn yeah. ligament in his knee right now. He'll be out for a while. And that means Liverpool are going to play Connor Bradley at right back. At least they did in the EFL Cup. Um, it's not a good look for them for a team that's looking to compete for the title. I don't think it's as bad of a loss as it's made out to be. Um, because, and this is hot take here. Clip it, clip it, clip it for TikTok. Um, <laughs> Trent, losing Trent isn't, a hot, isn't as bad as it's going to be. And I might be made to seem like a clown from saying this. I said it to my Liverpool fan. Since he's been inverted this season... Um, it's not like Trent is out of this world defensively. Uh, I, Liverpool fans be in my mentions. I don't really care. All I got to say is that Vinicius Jr. goal in the final was Trent's lack of defending. And Trent single-handedly lost you the the final because he just allowed Vinicius just to walk in and get a tap in. That's neither here nor there. But Trent isn't there to defend. He's there to invert this year. They're essentially running a back three um, because yeah. no Robertson and Joe Gomez is running there. You can look at the heat maps, go follow Mark Statsbot. Um, me and Kevin here, we share that information. We could pull it up right now and I could show you Trent's heat maps, right? He's yeah. very inverted. I'm not saying that they need to switch to a back three, but if they found someone, I'm not saying who it is. I don't know who it is. That's Klopp's to decide. But if Klopp wants to keep the system the same way, all he would really need to do is find someone that can play a DLP in midfield. Fair enough. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. And they might even have it with a guy like Gravenberch. Um, they might. Or you let you let Gravenberch play the McAllister role, and then you kind of let McAllister play that DLP role a little more. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's all about balance and, you know, again, positionalism, right? Like, yeah, versus relationism. Like, it, it's just filling a, it's filling an area. And that's what Klopp, Klopp used to be a relationist, I think. I think he's kind of turned into a positionalist. Yeah. It's a, that's a very nuanced discussion. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. I think back to like the earlier Liverpool teams when he was. Are you talking about those teams or when he was in the Bundesliga? I'm talking about his early Liverpool, and you can go in Bundesliga because it was the gig and pressing. Yeah, and there wasn't really much structure to it. It was all just kind of pressing sequences, which yeah. made it more relationist in a way. Um, so that's what I'm talking about. If you, I mean, if you watch Klopp early Liverpool days and you've watched Klopp at Dortmund, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, 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 I do. I do. Um, I wasn't saying you, I was saying more so if someone's listening. Yeah. Or the people that are listening, not if someone's listening. Yeah. They don't do as much uh, counter-pressing as they used to. I'm trying to think. It's tougher to, it's, it's tougher in today's game to teach, I think. Yeah. Um, I think they have the players to do it, though, if they really wanted to. I mean, Chavi Alonso's whole team is a gig and pressing. They're right. very, they're they're a very good mix of positionalism versus uh, versus relationism. Like they have a lot of freedom in the final third, but there's a structure there. Yeah, absolutely. I just the thing with Liverpool, we <laughs> we're really lingering. The thing with Liverpool is yeah. like. 
in terms of that pressing like an opponent's back line, Salah's not going to do it. Whereas Mane and Firmino used to, you know what I mean? And Salah used to more than he would now. I, yeah. I've, I've been on record to multiple Liverpool fans that they should have let Salah go. And kept Mane or just... For, no, you know, no, just just cleared out, cleared out like the front line and just and kept the gig in pressing because with Salah there, you can't... Klopp, Klopp is... The thing is, and this is all I'm going to say on the topic, then we can move on unless you want to say something. Yeah. Klopp has literally changed his entire system for two players. He doesn't gig and press anymore because of Mo Salah and he's inverted Trent to keep Trent happy. That's yeah, all he's um, done. That's true. And he's completely and it's working, so there's not a problem with that. But I will say, it usually works for a year, and then someone catches on, and then you kind of get your ass whooped. Yeah, AKA City, like the last fifty fucking years, who reinvent the wheel every year, and then yeah, get their ass kicked in the Champions League most years. So <laughs> no, but seriously, when Pep went simpler, he won a Champions League. Yeah. No, it's true. It is true. Um, I was trying to find a clever way to transition, but we just also wanted to mention that uh, Boniface has been injured. Um, obviously, was going to go to AFCON anyways, um, so it's sad to see. I'm not sure like, what the status of his injury is, but that's sad it's to a see. Months. They said like four to five months, I think. So he's so pretty much out till the end of the season. Yeah, that's... um. That's very sad to see for Nigeria's AFCON chances. And it's also Except sad for the to fact like... that they're fucking loaded at the nine position already. So yeah. I, I go look at their squad if you want. Right now you can do it real quick. Let me do it. They could field a they could field a team of like five nines. And that's like I always say, like, because you know, you know I coached. Yeah. When I coached, it was like, okay, how do I optimize my best eleven players? There is no way Nigeria can optimize their best 11 players because shit, five right. of them are nines. You're right. Oshiman, Boniface. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is Nigerian. They're all. Well, like, Adamola Lookman. Oh, Ianacho. Ianacho is good too. Um, Gift Warman is very good. That is, um, that is pretty crazy. They're the only, apparently, Nigeria is the only country in the world producing nines because nobody else is. They have Odian and Gallo too. Wow. They're a good squad, actually. Even without Boniface, they should still make some noise. Their midfield, what do they have? Like four midfielders on their list? I, I, yeah, I saw their squad list and I was like, this is crazy. They have no midfielders listed here. They have Wilford and Didi. Yes, big. Championship, bro. That's still crazy to me. He's not a championship Frank player. Is, Frank Onyeka is okay. But besides that, oh, Joe Aribo. He's decent. To nobody's other than Ndidi. Nah, Joe Rebo is decent. Shout out to run like a, a four, one, five and just let the guys go. <laughs> yeah. Just let the boys um, cook. I'm sure I'm sure Boniface probably like played on the wing or something for them with his pace. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I don't watch AFCON. I again I probably should but well in a in a tournament like like afcon you can also be a little bit more vibesy and you know you're always a little bit more vibesy you have to be yeah um 
moving on. I was trying to, I was trying to find another clever transition, but there was none there. Players are open to leaving Saudi Arabia. We obviously see Jordan Henderson wishing to leave Al Etifak. Um, supposedly, wives are not happy, and the climate is also unbearable. The third one, remember how I was like, I can't remember the third one. I remembered it. It's uh, it was low fan attendance. Low, which, I mean, which that's all I got to say on the Saudi Pro League. We can yeah. transition to yeah. the Spanish Super Cup, which purposely packed the one side of the stadium. And you know how like sometimes they show clips. You look at the other side, empty seats, both games. Hmm. That's and that's weird. My boy, who's Muslim, you know he. He's like, yeah, Saudi, Saudi, Saudi. Like, yeah, I, I hear you. You know, it, it, it hits close to home for you. I get that. Um, he's like, yeah, but the games are sold out. I'm just like, clearly they're not because I'm seeing a bunch of empty seats. Yeah. Maybe That's the weird. government's buying them up and purposely, like, you know, like, there's governments have done weirder things. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you never know with the Saudi Arabian government. They are a theocratic dictatorship um (laughs) the spanish super cup you have a bit here about the structure how madrid and barca receive more money um six mil yeah and atletico receives two million or four bullshit that's very strange and those three clubs had to help asasuna with the travel expenses that's very that's worth mentioning yeah that's just some weird shit to to yeah we all (laughs) had to give 200k to them to help like yeah it's kind of sickening and you know i had this discussion with someone on twitter today because you know they were talking you know it's it's permanent right now because it's going on um and all i did responded i was like this needs to stop like i was like one why is it in saudi like fuck this shit like it's just for money two let's go back to the old format of the copa winner versus the league winner like that was way better Three, the money distribution is fucked. Like, like, okay, let's. What is it? Six, six, twelve plus. What is it? Two or four to Atletico. Two, two, fourteen. Okay, so it looks like it's fifteen mil, right? Okay, how about we just give everybody three? Winner gets two runner-up gets one and then the rest is evenly distributed too you know what i mean like so winner gets five loser gets four so that's nine so we still got six million to go around um yeah okay so maybe like four a piece you know or something like that three five something in that range you know like yeah it just doesn't make a lot of sense it's and it's disrespectful like you're making asasuna leave travel Seven hours, it's not a short flight. Seven hours from Spain to Saudi travel for one game because they get knocked to Barcelona. And they don't even make that much money from it. I think they got like one mil. Like, yeah. the fuck is that? It's very strange. Very strange indeed. It's You almost wonder, like, are they paying Madrid and Barca more so that, you know, there's incentive for them to make the tournament? Even though they would, but it doesn't make sense because they would anyways. It's a glorified friendly. First off, let's put that. Let's put that in fucking writing. 
If it was yeah. in Spain, it wouldn't be a glorified spend friendly. Or if it was a one-off game in some random country, I don't really think anyone would really care. But it's the fact that it's a little mini tournament in Saudi, and the fans aren't really that great. Like at least in the preseason tour when Real Madrid play, at least the fans are fucking awesome, right? Like, yeah. Um, and I'm not saying the environment was shit, but it wasn't. It, it feels kind of preppy in a way. If you know what I mean, like. <laughs> You watched the game, but I'm sure you didn't see the environment. But it felt kind of preppy to me. Um, and even beyond that, just something something I want to say is that just, like, it's really stupid how, like, the like, I hate to go back to the money distribution, but, like, it's really stupid. Like, that, like, let's just say you gave Asasuna $2 million more and you took a mil away from Barcelona and... Real Madrid, bro. A million to Barcelona and Madrid is fucking pennies. Asasuna two million is like staying afloat as a club. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just kind of that's what really bothers me. Is like as a Madrid fan, it like, do I really need an extra six mil from the Super Cup? Will it help? Obviously, but we're a very financially stable club. I'm sure Barcelona needs a six mil, but um, that's more me throwing shots, but. At the end of the day, Barcelona makes six mil in probably like a day anyway, just from operating. Like Asasuna is lucky to make six mil probably in like three months. You know what I mean? Like their ticket sales aren't nearly as high. Their stadium's not nearly as big. And they have great fans in Pamplona. Like, don't get me wrong, but like I don't know. Well, Let's uh let's discuss some of these games. Real Madrid five three Atletico and extra time. First of all, this game was absolutely stunning. I um I tuned in late, but I did get to see Carvajal's equalizer to go three. That was awesome. It was it a was great awesome. great finish. And you well, know it's it's crazy because sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Just like I have so much energy when I talk about Real Madrid. It's just, I got to yeah. get it off my chest. Like yeah. Vinny, who had an okay game. I thought it was good. Like if I had to give it out of 10, I was like six out of 10. But Vinny, you know, he's so good. Moment of magic, beats his man, runs down the wing, gets a shot on Oblak. He saves it. Pops out to Bellingham, gets a shot. It's blocked. He gets his own rebound. It's blocked. And then Danny Carvajal, it pops out to Danny Carvajal, who makes no doubt he was like, I was telling Kate this on the when I was driving home. She just let me rant for 10 minutes about Real Madrid um, from work. Danny Carvajal makes no doubt of it. He said, this motherfucker is either going into goddamn outer space or this motherfucker is breaking someone in the net or it's breaking the fucking net. He said, I'm making sure this ball's going in. Raheem Diaz sees him coming and he's like, okay, I'm getting the fuck out of your way, which is a good thing because, you know, Raheem could have been like, I want it, you know, like selflessness. Um, Danny Carvajal, two assists and a goal in the game, man of the match, obviously. Uh, just, it's nice to see a resurgence from a guy who is the best right back in Real Madrid history. I, I personally believe, um, you can talk about Shendo or Salgado, but for me, it's Danny Carvajal, um, who has had a lot of injury problems post his heart surgery and, He's kind of just righted the ship this year. He changed his diet, and he hasn't gotten hurt. I think he got hurt once. Um, and only missed, like, a couple games, like three. And this guy's playing every game. And, you know, he's making the fact that the club sold Hakimi to Inter, like, 
nobody really even talks about Hakimi anymore. And, you know, we're still talking about how good Danny is. And, like, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't teach Madridismo. And, you know, Danny has that through and through. So. Absolutely. Um, I think that's the one thing that I was going to say is that finish is not only is it really good, but it's a hard one, you know, what is its first time and it just finds a far top of the corner. Um, and Oblak's there and they got like three defenders on the line. Like, it's not easy. To, like we see those get blocked all the time. Yeah. And for a right back, you know, that's like, that's like a relationist moment, you know? Um, <laughs> it only happens in a relationist team. Yeah. You know, that's um, pushing for a goal because that's the only way he's allowed to be in that zone. Even though he does find himself in zone 14 a decent amount. Um, yeah. Which is kind of weird, but it works. So. I mean, Madrid's got a lot of, you know, I don't want to say vibes because I feel like that's disrespectful, but some it's some vibes. of that going on sometimes. It's um, vibes, swagger, you know, there, there's something going on there where it's the, the it's going good. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I, and another player that had a very good game was Brahim Diaz, who scores very late. Um, Did you see our, that? That was awesome. Yeah, that was just awesome. Ju- juicy run, and he goes absolutely <laughs> mental. Absolutely oh, mental. Yeah. Rips off the another, shirt. Another guy with Madridismo. Um, actually, Isco was his idol growing up. Um, he's a Malaga oh, wow. kid. Isco's a Malaga guy. There's a picture of... I think Isco was Santi Cazola when they were like, or is, I think I want to say it was Santi when they were both at Malaga and Brahim's a ball boy right behind him. So, That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Brahim is, I, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but, you know, we might have mentioned it to each other, but never on here. You know, he was a part of that golden gen of uh, 10 slash wingers they had um, in the City Academy with Brahim. Phil and Jaden uh, Sancho, and Raheem was said to be the best of the three, and it's kind of crazy because you would argue you could argue he's the worst, um, not right now, but like you know when you look at the peak of the three, right? When you look at the peak of Phil, Sancho, and Raheem, he's obviously had the worst peak, but he hasn't really gotten the chance either to show it, um. Yeah. And when you he was really good at Milan, and Milan's a very big club. Um, but then he got COVID, and his form was really up and down. And Pioli was doing weird things tactically. Like uh, I don't know if you ever saw, but like he was starting Zlatan and Giroud, and like sometimes they were outside the box and they were like crossing, and like Brahim's the only one in the box, and like Brahim is five foot nothing, like ninety yeah. pounds soaking wet. Um, but you know. I just want to say, you know, I text you this. You probably don't agree, but Raheem would be one of the better wingers in the EPL this season. Yeah. He'd be one of the better wingers in the EPL, better right wingers in the world, you know, if he was starting on this form. And I think this is the best version we've seen of Brahim. Um Actually, he's one of the guys that I saw up close. I went to a Hatafe game at the Alfonso Perez after we'd already lost the league. And... I was in the one corner and he was playing right wing that game. So I saw a lot of Brahim that game. And uh, ever since that moment, I was kind of like, okay, this kid's for real Um, because you can see the talent. And so all that being said, I just think that Brahim really deserves some flowers. Uh, 
And, you know, there's some Madrid fans that are calling for him to be a starter over Vinicius or Rodrigo. They don't really care. So, wow. yeah, it, he's been that good this season. And he really links up well with Bellingham, like, um, really well. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of nice because he's, he's – there aren't many actual 10s out there. I mean, there's more now because they're coming back. But he's, like, a pure 10. and But, like, he's got the athletic ability to play on the wing too. Um, yeah. And that finish was not easy, by the way. It, like, I know it was an open net, but, like, that's not an easy finish. You got two guys on your back, and you're at a really tough angle. And he's yeah. very two-footed, which is good, too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, Brahim I'm, Diaz just, you know, uh, he's deserved all the credit he's gotten this season. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I just I checked the doc real quick, and I was reminded, that, you know, this game was this game seemed like a bit of a clusterfuck. Um to keep it, it to, keep, to keep it real, um, it was kind of like a prem game. The ref kind of played <laughs> it like a prem game. Yeah. Um. Well, real quick, if I could be anecdotal, I like to manage Madrid a lot at the beginning of the new FM games, and Brahim Diaz is always a guy that's out on loan, and so I feel like he's kind of on the fringes at Madrid, and he comes back. And he always gets like seven goals and 10 assists in a season. And then I'm like, I don't know what to do with this guy because I don't have space for him. So like as a Madrid, as a Madrid fan, has Brahim always been on the fringes? Is he finally footing, finally finding his footing in the club? Um, What's like, what's the long term for Brahim? So for me, for me, he was never on the fringes. Um, I've like I said, I've been a fan. Uh, and to quote Pep, when they lost him, Pep was like, "It's really, really it, this one hurts. Like this yeah. losing Brahim hurts." Um, but the minutes weren't there for him, so he left. Like you left for Madrid, though. Like that's kind of weird. Um, because the minutes are gonna be in Madrid, right? But he <laughs> goes to Milan, which is a very big club. And, you know, he kind of plays through CDK getting bought. Um, he was kind of there to be like a filler on the wings and in the middle. And he's kind of just was always a starter. Um, and one of the things I really like about Brahim is that he's a protagonist. Um, like, you know, he's always trying to receive the ball through the lines and run at people. He's not a he doesn't hide, um, which is huge for a guy in his position. Uh, but. I think I think right now, you know, when you're creating a depth chart of Madrid, you know, he's got to be, you know, and even adding Endrick in there and maybe a nine who comes in the summer. I think you have to, you know, keep him around. And I think it's going to be tough with Artie Goulart too, which we'll get to. Um, yeah. But I don't think he should be on the fringes. Let's just put it that way. I, I think Fair he's, enough. and he's, he's making a statement right now to, say like but a big club might come sniffing around soon and that might tempt him yeah that very well could you know if he's not a certified starter and now he's showing that he can be just about anywhere um i personally don't have like any further comments on this Madrid game so i'll leave the floor to you if you want to say anything else um obviously this means y'all will play barcelona in the final but uh yeah yeah, uh, you know, it was kind of nice to see Carlos' comments after the game. There's nothing to celebrate today. The title's played on Sunday. 
Um, and just the fight on this team, the never give up, you know, we concede in like the 70th minute, but then we score in like the 85th and, you know, and then I don't know about you, but was there any ever doubt that we were going to win in extra time? Cause there wasn't in my mind, even if we went to pens, like, I guess as, you know, Real Madrid fan, I never think we're going to lose, but you know, there's always that, you know, the spirit of Juanito that gets talked about and that, yeah. Uh, realm so you know though i think this game could we could you know i think we could actually talk about this game for hours um you know and another thing i just want to say is that like vinicius was good not great rodrigo was good not great bellingham was good not great but we still put up five goals without our three main men up front doing much um so, you know, that's that's a good sign for the team. That's a good sign in general for any team, you know, when you can put up a five spot. And, you know, this Atletico team is still really good. No matter yeah. what anybody says, I know they're in fifth, but they're still, I think they're going to make a lot of noise in UCL this year. Um, just my hunch, just because I like them um, as a unit. They just need to, they need to fix their defensive woes but you know anytime there's a derby it's never going to be easy and madrid you know they they live to fight another day for all the trophies and you know the super cup is now on sunday which will be against barcelona who beat asasuna 2-0 um and honestly i don't really think there's much in the asasuna game barcelona game to even really talk about um but yeah oh we should probably mention before we even get there uh, Kepa versus Lunin, just who knows what Carlo's going to do there. Kepa makes a huge mistake, which gives up the third goal, which we didn't even talk yeah. about. Um, yeah, that's what I was laughing at earlier. I um, I remember like I was at work watching it with Cody, and we we had a chance to like watch, and we we're like, "What the fuck just happened, bro?" Yeah, it was such yeah. a it was a silly error. Um, it was shocking. Um, and that's kind of been the problem with Kepa this year is that like. He's just not a good decision maker at all when it comes to like uh, claiming any sort of you know cross. He always tries to punch, and it just it doesn't work. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Hugo Lloris, like towards the back end of his Spurs career. He started to just get like really indecisive or overly decisive. Um, it's almost worse than indecisive sometimes. Yeah. Um. Well, moving on quickly, Barcelona. I just wanted to mention, Gunnigan's had a really good season for Barcelona. He has two assists in this game, and he's going to go down as a very underrated midfielder of like this last generation. I personally you know, German, feel. Yeah, German midfielders are good, much like Spanish. Yeah, I like Gunnigan um, a lot. Um, I don't think he's as good as he, is, he was with City. But City also right. had a lot more structure, so. Yeah, um. Real quickly, Lamine Yamal scores late and sort of like grabs our attention once more. You know, he's been quiet ever since he initially burst onto the scene. Real quick, what are your thoughts on Lamine Yamal? Click, click this. Okay, no, I'm just mentioning, just joking. <laughs> um, but Lamine Yamal is a good player. Uh, he's only 16. He's got a lot of growth. Um, I don't think he's ready to start for Barcelona. I don't think he's ready to play for the Spanish national team, but he keeps getting called up. Um, so crazy. I don't think Barcelona can rely on a 16-year-old to be a starting winger for them uh, at the point where they're at as a club. 
where they're trying to fight for trophies. That being said, um, I think he's a great player to come off the bench. Um, he burst on the scene, was awesome. But then teams started to figure out his game a little bit, and he's kind of died off, and he's lost his position to Rafinha, who is much more decisive. Um, that's kind of all my thoughts on Lamine Yamal. I think he's going to be a fantastic player one day. I just yeah. don't think that day is now. Well, yeah, I think he's a you... good player. I think he's a serviceable player. I think he's a squad player. And he's only 16, though. Like, that's, like... It's crazy. If you're if you're balling at 16, like, that's not normal. It's absolutely so. not normal. And, you know, you want to you wanna make sure you don't juice the juice the kid out. You know what I mean? Like, that's very strange. Like they to, did the Pedri. Yeah. Who can't stay healthy up. now. Yeah. And, you know, you, you pray that you pray, you, you hope that Pedri can, you know, stay healthy and really live Even up to I his hope one day. For like yeah. the footballing uh, lover in me hopes. Absolutely. Well, another. EFL Cup. Yeah. Just <laughs> straight to it. Um, Middlesbrough won Chelsea nil. Wow. Um, yeah. Chelsea cannot, cannot perform like even with their XG whatsoever. They post 2.5 XG. I'm rounding up. I don't care. Um, Bro, that field tilt is insane. Yeah. 85% in Chelsea's favor. They dominate the ball pretty much 71%. Chelsea are turning the ball over high, which we've talked about before, I believe with a different team, though. I think it was Barca. It was the game Barca lost to Girona. I love these graphics. Mark Statsbomb. Um, yeah. Bot. Uh, 14 high turnovers, two leading to shots. You know, a lot of them are in, like, those ones. Who was playing right back? For Chelsea? That's bad. Yeah. Let's look real quick. Um, Filling up this Did time. you see though. that area right on the right back? It's It's bad. Yeah. It was Malabusto. It was Malabusto who probably wasn't even really operating like a right back. Let's be honest. Um, it was probably uh, Di Di Sassi or Diassi or whatever you say his name. It was so Tiago Silva was right sided center back this game, mm. which is really weird because normally he's left side. I I think I cracked the heat map on Mark Stats bomb. I'm pretty sure I saw him on the right side more so. Who Di Sassi? Di Sassi, yeah. That's probably. Uh, it's probably true. Um, I'm hold up real quick. The one thing that I would like to mention here, you know, obviously this is a two-legged affair, so it doesn't mean Chelsea are completely embarrassed yet. But Hayden Hackney for Middlesbrough, learning under a coach like Michael Carrick, he's a young English midfielder, can play pretty much... Okay, DeSassi was on the right. You know, I gotta get a better. I gotta get a better app here. Um, <laughs> you just gotta go to Twitter. It's the yeah. only place that can be trusted. Um, but yeah, Hayden Hackney's one to keep your eye on. That's all I wanted to say. He scores the goal for Middlesbrough. Good for him. That's big. They still gotta yeah. go to Stanford Bridge and at least get a point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's doable. But Definitely truth is, is, we want to. We we want to see. The FA wants to see, every fan wants to see Chelsea versus Liverpool. We all know it. They know it. You might not, but 
any anybody who money's involved, you know that's what they want. There's yeah, a reason no. they didn't match up in the semifinal. <laughs> True. I'm not saying it's rigged, but it definitely was tweaked a little bit. They didn't want that. It's a um, it's a very interesting starting lineup from Poch. Palmer looked yeah. like he was playing up top, which like I'm not completely opposed to. But, you know, kind of like reminiscing about when KDB would play the false nine with Sterling and Matueke, you know, playing as inside forwards. But I don't know. Poch has got to figure it out. I think, I don't know. We talked about this on at paper, work. Yeah, on paper, Palmer was playing the nine. But when you look at the possession chart, like, I, I should have never stopped sharing my screen. I'll, I'll share it again just so you can see. And But, like... Look at this right here. They have no yeah. box presence. You know, it's just a clusterfuck of, like, essentially, like, a nice little arc of, like, players. And it's just kind of, eh. You need a box presence, man. We talk about it all the time. We don't need to keep talking about it. Oh, sure, men. But, you know. Yeah. No, if they had a guy like him, they'd probably be out of this world, to be honest. Um, It would be. Let's move on real quick to the Fulham 1-2 Liverpool. Um, Liverpool just dominated Fulham. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing I did want to say is Fulham scoring keeps them in the tie. And if they, you know, they have a slight chance heading back to Craven Cottage, um, ever so slightly. Moving on to the FA Cup. We get our first tie-inside derby in eight years with Sunderland and Newcastle. Unfortunately, it wasn't much of a game. Newcastle win three 0 but yeah, this is this is awesome. This is good to see. Yeah, you want to see this? You know, it's at the Stadium of Light, so it's at Sunderland. They were absolutely charged up for this game. It was rocking. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is Jack Clark, ineffective against the Premier League defense. He's been a guy that people have been talking about as someone that could make the jump, and now, eh, not so sure. Yeah, and I don't really have much to add to any of that, but it, you know, it's always good to see a derby uh, at any time. It doesn't matter what level or who it is, because you know, there's fans of both clubs that care very deeply about it. Um, moving on, your Spurs win one nil on Burnley without Son. <laughs> I forgot this. This was even in the docket. Um, yeah, without Son, I'm not sure who's going to finish our chances. I wrote Werner in parentheses, maybe Richarlison. He had like that very, very mini hot streak, but I don't think he can continue it. And um, it takes an absolute wonder goal from Pedro Porto to put us through. The game was relatively even. Burnley had some, they missed a few sitters. They could have easily won the match. Um, I don't know. I look, I look at this and we get drawn with Man City now. I don't know if we can win the trophy. Not with showings like this. That's really all, all about it, I have to say. Uh, if you haven't seen the Poro go, go watch it. He is quickly becoming a top three right back in the world. Just saying. Yeah, I don't really have much to argue about the Poro, at least right now on forum. Uh, he's always had yeah. the potential. Everyone's always talked about him. He's always been linked with big clubs, but no one ever made the move. I'm not quite sure why. It might have been character issues. It was always the gist I had kind of got from socials. Um, 
and what was being reported, but he's a great player. Uh, and, you know, Angie's using him. He's kind of inverting him, and it's it's going well for him. Um, just, you know, some quick notes. Yeah. Yep, Leicester beat Millwall 3-2. Bristol City to buy West Ham at West Ham, and they get a replay. Um, what are your thoughts when West Ham controlled the ball? They just don't look like the same side. Yeah, no, this is something we talked about. Obviously, Bristol City are going to, well, you know, it's really twofold, you know, because they, they know, you know, we know this, and so Bristol City are obviously going to know this. You know, you can give West Ham the ball and, you know, try and, like, watch them flounder around and figure out what to do with it. But West Ham are also, you know, just the better team here talent-wise, so they're going to have the ball more often. For a team that is so reliant on the counterattack, it doesn't really work well for them. You know, 1-1 at home to Bristol City. Bristol City's not terrible, but they're in the championship. Like, shouldn't be happening. Um, I don't know. West Ham have had this problem for quite a while. They have the capability to beat teams like Man City, like Arsenal, like Liverpool. It's sort of like it's sort of like Spurs when they had Conte. We just you know, it's like that Chelsea infographic. The possession chart looks like a U because they don't know how to, you know, play the final ball, play the incisive. Penetrate. And so it looks like a horseshoe. And I've, you know, obviously people, tons of people have talked about this, but, you know, Bowen's been playing up top for them. So that obviously is not the greatest in terms of when you're trying to build up. Transition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if you're trying to possess the ball, you don't want Jared Bowen playing the nine. Um, Yeah. And he kind of hedges right where he prefers to. Right. Um, And exactly like what you saw with Chelsea. That's where Palmer was. Um, Yeah, exactly. And then you have no box presence. Yeah, so which is Bristol a City get to go at home now, and that's actually a really interesting one. You know, I'm not going to drink the Kool Aid completely, but moving on, Wrexham one nil over Shrewsbury. It's awesome to see Wrexham keep going. Um, Arsenal zero. Gates played the nine for them against Bristol City, by the way. Oh, okay. I mean, that's and a Bowen little bit up on the right because they lost Kudis. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, that is what yeah, like against against Arsenal, Bowen was at the nine, Kudis was on the right, Piquet on the left, and then James Ward Prowse in the middle, which has kind of been their go to formation in most yeah. games. So, you know, that's awesome on the counter, but not when you're trying to dominate the ball. Um, yeah, it's which is probably why he opted out to the right in the game against yeah. uh, Bristol City. And Moyes has always struggled with that. Um, anyways, Arsenal 0 to Liverpool. On paper, this sounds like an enthralling game, but kind of like we mentioned, you know, in previewing this, it's early rounds, so it's not as, like, dynamic of a game. Um, it's more so um, – sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Uh, it's, it's more than, like, the round, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's more of, like – Okay, neither team would be mad to lose, but, like, you're going to try to win. Um, and just, you know, try to work out some kinks. Like, Arsenal was a better XT, XG team um, by decent margin. About one more in each category. They were better in the field tilt. 
And when you look at the defensive action height, Liverpool kind of sat pretty deep at 36.3. That's really low for them. Um, but Arsenal continue to struggle in front of net, having one goal with over 6 XG in their past couple games. Um, that is, that's Ramsdale gets to start, which is weird too, I thought. That's just the classic English cup goalie thing, man. Yeah, but like... He's talked about like competition and stuff like that, so it's just weird to me. Like the truth okay. is, if if I was playing Liverpool, I don't care what round it is, I don't care what it is. If the game counts, I'm playing my number one. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, Arteta's been weird with keepers this entire season. It's like he's mm-hmm. he feels bad for Ramsdale in a way, and I guess it makes sense, but. I don't know. Do you want to talk about Darwin at all? Yeah, I, I see. Do. I do want to touch at Darwin. I, I know yeah. I put some notes in here. Um, yeah. You know, he gets a lot of slack and he really doesn't deserve it, in my opinion. Um, fantastic player. His off ball movement is crazy. His, I don't know if you saw, bro, but like he literally just made one move, cut in, and then hit a curler and just missed. And you're just like, like you're you're a good fucking player if you can do that. Like, yeah. I couldn't go out there and do that. There aren't there are professionals that couldn't go out there and do that. Um, and he's just so athletic. And if he could just work on becoming a semi-consistent finisher, or like if he became a consistent finisher, bro, I, he'd be the best nine in the world. I have no doubt about that. Because his off-ball movement's amazing. He maneuvers so well inside and outside of the box. Like he just creates space for himself. And he sees the field so well, and he's so athletic. Yeah, he's always been a guy that... Uh... It it seems like every time I watch Liverpool, they hit the he hits the post or something like that. You know, he's a he's a nearly kind of guy. Um, yeah. If a lot of these chances were converted, we would be talking about him much differently. So, I think that's a positive, you know, sort of take on Darwin that I can I can agree with. He's he's like he's like Ibrahimovic in so a way, but he's also bro. yeah. He's obviously much more athletic. Oh, I don't want to say much more athletic than Ibrahimovic, but in terms of I think speed, he's definitely more athletic than Ibrahimovic, but probably not much. Yeah. Um, City, we just want to say KDB is back. They scored five goals against Huddersfield. No On problem. On a 1.5 XG. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You know, and that's also a reminder of how good a lot of those guys in City are. I, I've been a person that's criticized City. Um, I still don't think it's necessarily their league to lose, but we'll save that for another time. Yeah. Just looking Just some ahead. some interesting fixtures, yeah. Yeah. In the FA Cup. Looking ahead, Spurs and City get each other in the round of 32. Chelsea and Villa as well. And Blackburn-Wrexham is an interesting tie. Um, Blackburn's obviously a historical club. Um, and Wrexham looking to make some of their own history, climbing up the English Pyramid. That'll be one I'll keep my eyes on. Um, Copa del Rey. Yeah, just Lugo let's just won. quick fire these. Um, the yeah. only one I'd probably want to talk on is just you know, um, just make a point about a certain player on Real Madrid. That's all. Sure thing. Yeah. Artiguler, debut. Yes, yes. Artiguler debut. Um, he really looks the player. Uh. Carlos seemed to give him a lot of confidence. Uh, apparently he chose us because he wanted to play, and that was something we offered him to play in the first team. 
And, you know, he looks like someone that can be an eight. He looked really comfortable on the ball. And I really liked how he, like, demanded the ball and kind of generaled the midfield. Kind of seems like a metronome in there. Um, and I can't wait to see more from him. Um, yeah. And Real Madrid win that game 3-1. So, not much there. Just real quick, how does he fit into the team long term? Obviously, they have, like... Who the fuck he's... knows? <laughs> He's the fifth guy in such a you know strong young core of center mids. He's well, the fifth guy. I don't know I'm... if he's a center mid. You know, like he can play the right wing, he can play the ten, and he he seemed from what I saw, he seemed to have all the abilities to play the eight. So, um, yeah. That being said, I'm not sure where he fits. I'm not sure where Taki Kubo fits if he fits at all. I. But, you know, some years ago, you weren't sure how Vinicius fits or Rodrigo fits or Rainier Jesus fits, you know. And as we've mentioned on this podcast a number of times, water will find its level, and if he's good enough, he'll make it to the club. Yeah. Um, a lot of quick. it's about timing, though. Like, a lot of it's about timing. So Yeah. Like, sure. Vinny got really lucky with timing. Like, Cristiano just left, and Hazard couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, that's true. It reminds me of Tom Brady in the NFL getting his lucky break. Anyways, um, Villarreal were knocked out by Unionistas. I'm not sure which yeah. division they're in, but that is worth mentioning. Um, you know, we love a good cup set. Um, at Villarreal's expense, I'm not sure. I have a soft spot for them. but They suck this year, so it's not yeah. really surprising. Let's just put it that way. Um, the stadium lost me. power for a little while. Yeah, and they had to finish the match later. And they had to finish the match by Monday before the draw because the way that the Spanish do the draw, it's not um, it's not random. It's uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? They do it by, like, pots, kind of like how, like, yeah. UCL does it, their group stage by pots. So yeah. if Villarreal were there, they would have been in a different pot than if Unionistas were in a pot. So they had to finish the game. And Unionistas came out on top, which, you know, you, you like to see. And, you know, in a, in a local derby in the Canary Islands, Tenerife beat Las Palmas 2-0. Um, not as long since they've played each other since Las Palmas got promoted this year in Tenerife in the second division, so they played last season. But still, local derby doesn't happen as often. It was it was definitely bumping. Um, yeah. you love to see it. Um, yeah. Looking ahead to the Copa round of 16, we get some interesting ties. <laughs> Let it go, Madrid, yeah. Real Madrid, once again. Um, and Barcelona get Unionistas. Um, Rigged. <laughs> any other ties you would like to mention there? Or if you want to talk about the rigged nature? Well, as I mentioned to you before, we got two Basque derbies with Athletic Bilbao and Alaves and Asasuna and Real Sociedad. Um, Bilbao, obviously in Bilbao. Um and then Alaves, a little south of that. And you have Asasuna and Pampelona, where they do the running of the Bulls and Real Sociedad in the beautiful, the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life, San Sebastian. Um, other than that, uh, if Rio were at home against Girona, that one could be interesting. Um, but, you know, just really Atleti draw Real Madrid. Um, Barcelona get the only non-first division side other than Tenerife. <laughs> Are we really surprised that the league that the team that got caught paying refs um, for a number of years gets the third division side or fourth or whatever tier they're in, and then their biggest rival gets to play another rival at that rival's home. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I will let. I'm, I'm sure it was the luck of the draw. Let's just. I'm sure it was. I will let the audience decide what they think. Um, moving on, we had lots of cups. Copa Italia as well. Um, Too much going on. Let's just put it that way. There's been a lot going on, and AFCON's about to start, which I'm not sure about you, but I'd like to cover at least a little bit of. I'd like to follow it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Anyways, Fiorentina knock out Bologna on pens. Um, this was an even game from what I saw, and I was just wondering, was the Bologna form a mirage? I don't know. Fiorentina was Bologna really- at home, or were they away from home? Fiorentina was at home. That's why Bologna's away form is terrible. They have like one win away from home. Like one, six, and three. Makes sense. Um, Speaking of derbies, we get another derby. Lazio won. Nil Roma. It's nice to get these derbies in the um in the cup games. Because they, they, yeah. there's a little bit more on the line than a league game. For sure. Win, win and move on and lose and go home. So, you know, having a Rome derby, having a Canary Islands derby, having the Sunderland Newcastle Derby, like it's cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, no for sure. And um Roma were not too good. Lazio were definitely the better team and Roma get two late red cards. Um I was just looking at the lineup. You have Lukaku and Dybala up top. Imagine seeing that like four or five years ago. I think everyone would have been like, holy shit. But nowadays yeah, this team's gross. Yeah. Nowadays, it's much different. Just food for thought. Any thoughts on that, on the Rome Derby? Um, you know, I I would have loved to tune in. Um, but Jose Mourinho's been really hard to watch this season. Uh, so I have trouble watching. Let's just put it. Yes, yeah, he has become even more staunch in his park the buck park the bus beliefs i feel and they need better center backs to do it that's all i wanted to say about that you know you look at those three and i don't know even roma has more pulled than that oh milan they do. Won. that's the worst part yeah milan won two atalanta this was a relatively even game the penalty for atalanta makes the xg look way better um Milan seemed kind of hard done by. I didn't check the pen. I'm not sure if it was legitimate or anything like that, but nonetheless. Juventus 4, nil Frozenone. I just wrote down typical. Um, Frozenone have some interesting players, but um, no, this is typical. And This Milik, should happen. Yeah. yeah. Milik gets a hat trick for Juve in this one. There do we know who some- plays who? Like, do we know who's... Matched up with who? I'm pretty sure I had the notes who I can t- would play after. Um, I'm just curious for obvious reasons. So if we'll see, we have some interesting semifinals. Um, so, damn it! I can, I can Atalanta I and Fiorentina and Lazio and Juventus. Yeah, and then it goes. So it goes to two legs now, and um, yeah, not till April. So we'll probably be looking wow. at a much. Yeah. A That's, much so That's so That's far. That's so far away. I mean, I guess it's already the semifinal though. All the other all the other ones are like, you know, like Copa's in round of sixteen right now, but that Copa will be done and then they'll throw the final in like April. 
I got you. Well, it's, you know, the Carabao Cup's already in the semifinals, but they play the finals in, like, February. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. Um, Tor- Torino, 3-0 Napoli over in Syria. Mazzari's a tick, ticking time bomb. Um, yeah, Napoli are absolutely garbage right now. And when you look, and if you look literally three bullets down, it says you fire Rudy Garcia, and somehow it's worse under Mansari. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy's a clown. I, he's Napoli's getting knocked in UCL. It, it's it's just put your money on that one. Um, who, do you, who do they have again? Is it Barca? I'm pretty sure they have Atletico. Atletico. It might be Barca. I know it's a Spanish team. Let's just put it that way. Let's. It's Barca. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Barca's knocking them out. It's going to be easy. Oh, Atletico have Inter, so I was right. They do have an Italian team, but that's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad to see. It's right around the corner, bro. Like, we're like a month away from them playing. Like, it's hard to see them riding the ship in a month. Yeah, I don't think they will. And Oshiman and Caravet Scarly, Caravet Scarly is agents beefing. Agents. I'm not sure if you yeah. saw that. It, yeah, it's it's not pretty. Caravet Scarly as agent said that Oshiman would take the money of Saudi, and then then Oshiman's agent was like, "Keep our name out your mouth." It, it's just it's a clown show right that, now. It got like pretty personal and uh, gruesome. Yeah. Um, we have Roma one, one Atalanta. It seems like. There's lots of games for these Italian clubs coming off the, uh, like, really short Christmas break. Yeah, uh, it's been – they didn't even get a Christmas break either. So, like, they're kind of piling on for them. And I hope that kind of thins out a little bit for them here because they could use the rest. Because they've been yeah. going. They have. And, you know, it's become like a slog as well, I feel. Well, a lot of the games are, like, draws and, like, low scoring. And, like, they looked like like, again – I'm not watching Serie A right now. It's not really, it doesn't really pique my interest, which is why it's not much of a talking point on our pod. It's usually just, yeah. hey, these were some good Serie A games, so we're going to touch on them, but that's about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, it's, the it's, thing, they're not really interesting. The one thing is Serie A for us is on Paramount Plus, which is something we don't like really go to at all. So I only use it for the champions league. Like I pay six ninety nine yeah. a month to watch this champions league. Yeah. So we only go on it like sporadically, like the group stage period and then the knockout stage period. So in this gap now, it's like the Serie A should be preoccupying us with the Paramount plus, but they're not anyways. I'm, um, I spend, I'm on ESPN plus bro. Like, yeah, I, I I get my Bundesliga, my La Liga, and that's all I need, man. And then the yeah. EPL, you know, if it's if I I got peak my I use my friend's Peacock and I only tune into that when there's an interesting game. But like the, th- the it makes it really easy because like Saturday Sunday morning I just you know Saturday morning at nine I know there's gonna there's gonna be at least one good German game on at three yeah. o'clock I know there's gonna be a good Spanish game on Saturday and Sunday like just makes it easy. I you know I don't really. And the Italian clubs, they they usually they usually have a six forty five game. Their times are weird. Like I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they're not. It's sort of. Yeah, I've mentioned this before, but like, the way that college football is heading, TV deals me a lot, and it means a lot with foot with football as well. 
with you know this football, our football. All I want yeah. to say is it seems like Syria is dropping the ball when it comes to these TV deals, and they need to be trying a bit harder. That about wraps it up for us. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add. And Austin just invited me to a party, so it seems like it's probably club time now. We're going to go clubbing, and yeah. uh, we hope you all enjoyed this one that went longer, but I had a great longer time. Longer than we wanted, but, you know, yeah. it's, it, time flies when you're having a good time. Like, just <laughs> yeah. corny as fuck yeah. for no reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, it was a good one. Um, that was my TikTok timer to post the TikToks. That's what that was. Nice. So. Well, y'all have a great day. It was good talking to you, BJ. I'll yes, talk to you in about we will... 30 seconds. Yeah, probably less. <laughs>